Welcome to class number 83 in church history. Matthew 16:18 says, Jesus speaking to Peter and his congregation, he says, You are Petros, a little stone, but upon this great foundation rock I shall be building my church, and the gates of hell shall not wrestle down. Now, in that statement, there is a negative also. Jesus said the gates of hell would not tear down, wrestle down his true churches, but it meant also that the gates of hell would try. And in, Satan is never, one thing about him, he doesn't have the sin of laziness. He's busy. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission says, as you, after you've been kicked out, it says, go ye therefore in, in King James, but that's not what it says in the original language. It says, after you've been scattered, preach the word, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and also teaching them to observe, to guard with their lives, terrain is the Greek word, to guard with their lives all things that I have committed unto you, and behold, I'll be with you until the end of the age. And here we have the church age, right here, and we're nearly in the end of the church age, and the gates of hell have sure tried to overcome the Lord's churches, but they have not. In 1800, Joseph Smith said that uh, the gates of hell had prevailed against God's churches. Calvin and Luther both wanted to reform the Catholic Church, but the Catholic Church was a sow's ear. It was not a true church. They could have gone to true churches at that time, but instead they persecuted them sometimes. The students of Luther and Calvin both have made expressions of, uh, of regret for the things that they did against the Anabaptists, the Mennonites, uh, Peter Toffers, the Amish. These were early Baptist people. Now, in America, we come to a different story. We come to a great revival in this country, but in that revival comes error. Now, error is never good for a church, never good for God's people, never good for anyone. It is a wonderful thing that many people were saved in this great revival, but in crept, in crept uh, errors. Now, Baptists, uh, I'm very much acquainted with Baptists in Texas, Oklahoma, and California. California and Fish Lake Valley here in Nevada, and actually I lived in the California side of Fish Lake Valley for a long time, down in the south end of the valley. The, uh, the founding of the Baptist churches and the spread of the Baptist churches in California was very important to my study, and I will, we will get into that later when we get into the 1800s. We'll go into another book. I'm old enough that some of the pastors and preachers from the 1800s were my teachers. You can hear some of them on discovertheword.com uh, and some of the others, Ben Bogard, uh, uh, J. Lewis Guthrie's writings, Ch Hoyt Chastain, Dr. Hoyt Chastain, Dr. Charles Travis Hubbard. These people go a long way back. 
Dr. I.K. Cross. These people were men of great faith. And even D.S. Madden, though he was from a little bit later age, he was a great pillar of God's word and truth. Now when we get into reading this again, we're having a revival among fire-baptized Methodists and Presbyterians. Some of the things in these camp meetings was incredible. The laborer quit his task, age snatched uh, uh, his crutch, Youth forgot his pastime, the plow was left in the furrow, the deer enjoyed a respite in the mountains, and the business of all kinds suspended dwelling houses were deserted. Whole neighborhoods were emptied. Bold hunters and noble matrons and young women and maidens and little children flocked to the common center of attraction. Every difficulty was surmounted. Every risk ventured to be present at the cap meetings. This was some really wild and I remember I went to Oral Roberts camp meetings, I went to A.A. A. Allen, I went to many of these people, Amy Simple, McPherson. Uh, you saw all of this happening in the areas where I was. A.A. A. Allen, Oral Roberts, I couldn't tell that they ever preached the gospel at all. I went there, I saw a lot of emotion and emotionalism and so-called healings, but I didn't hear the word of God preached. It's different. Emotion sometimes carries away people away from the truth. Baptist churches in the early part of time that I, when I was a very young child, most of them would say, the first Southern Orthodox and Missionary Baptist Church of Lancaster, of Bakersfield, of Shafter, Taft, Ford City, Delano, Porterfield, Arvin, Lamont. And in front of it says the, fir the, the first Southern Orthodox Missionary Baptist Church. And every one of those things meant something. The word Orthodox means straight doctrine, straight truth. Nothing else. Orthodox. Ortho means straight, and dox, that's from doctrine. Orthodox means straight truth. Now, listen to some of the things that were taking place in these wildernesses. Now, I tell you what, the people had a wilderness in understanding the Word of God, too. The meetings were often protracted till 2 o'clock in the morning. Everything was done to produce a boiling produced boiling heat and the singing ecstasy assisted in aiding the fuel to the fire. Number of persons who fell is estimated 3,000. Among the most zealous advocates of the new message were Matthew Houston, Barton Stone, Robert Marshall. These men had always inclined to a fervent and excited style of preaching and their peculiarities had gained them great popularity and a reputation of extraordinary zeal. Houston was consistently of a warm and serene temperament. Marshall was, was a bold and stern enthusiast. Stone differed from them both in a cooler sagacity and an appearance of tender feeling and a bland, insinuating address. All were calculated to be leaders, and they equally loved influence 
and the stimulus of thronged assemblies. You know, I've preached to a thousand people at a time or more. And I preached to one and two, and I preached to this camera too. But I do it because I know there's people out there listening. Sometimes, uh, like football games and baseball games and soccer games and things like that, people get all excited and you hear the clouds roar and sometimes they get in the fist fights and all kinds of stuff. Well, now here, we have a lot of enthusiasm. It is not wonderful, therefore, that aided by the enthusiasm of the times they succeeded in stealing the hearts of the people and even captivating by great appearance of devotion. To men so dispossessed, the camp meeting presented uh, some men so disposed, the camp meeting presently precisely such a theater of operation as they desired, and everything was accordingly to their purposes. The extravagances. The extravagances means exaggeration. Witness under animal feeling were far beyond anything ever known before and opened a new chapter in history of the human mind. Now we have demon spirits coming in. Where the truth is preached and when when enthusiasm, when, when experience takes a place and the wonderment of God's truth word, his orthodox doctrines, you have problems. But emotion and feeling always supersedes truth. They have merited both the attention of the physician and of the psychiatrist, and these bodily exercises of the new life were an extraordinary character. The performances have been divided into seven exercises as follow. Falling, falling, jerking, rolling, running, dancing, barking, visions of, of and, and trances. In other words, being slain in the spirit and running around like animals on the floor and growling and going on. This confusion is not of God. The true conviction of the Holy Spirit of God and salvation of souls is, but now we've gone beyond that. Now we've gone into the ecstasy of the paranormal. And I do mean paranormal because then spirits take over and it's not the spirit of God. I have passed the meeting house, says the eccentric Lorenzo Dow. When I observed the undergrowth had been cut for a camp meeting and from 50 to 100 saplings were left breast high on purpose for persons who were jerking to hold to. The stumps were left there for people that were jerking in this ecstasy in this paranormal experience. I observed what they held on to and they and they kicked up the earth as a horse is stamping flies. I believe it does not affect the those naturalists who wish to get to the philosoph and philosophize about it. Rarely those who are the most pious, but the lukewarm, lazy professor is subjected to it. The wicked fear it and are objective to it. The persecutors are more subject to it than any. They have sometimes cursed and sworn and damned while jerking. After a rousing exhortation to during a, a spirited singing, when the body was exhausted in copious weeping, one 
or another in the audience sometimes the number of scores would suddenly all fall prostrate to the ground and swoon away, faint. They call that slain in the spirit now. This has happened among these Methodists and Presbyterians now. The cold religion had become red hot, but it went beyond red hot. No sex or age was exempt. The young and the old, the men as well as women, fell, even large, robust men of the age of 20. And in one instant, all who fell were men. This would be accompanied by piercing shrieks. In this condition, the person would lie for 15 minutes or three hours. It is recorded in one instance that a woman did not eat or speak for nine days. During the syncope, even when conscious and speaking in, of religious subjects, the patient was free from pain. Swoons and convulsions and fallings have not been without precedent. But what is known as the jerks were altogether unprecedented in, in Christian lands. This happened in false religions all over the world, in Muslim, Catholics. This happened in false religions all over the world. The ecstasy of the swirling dervishes, the ecstasy of the Buddhist and the prayer wheel turning. This was happening in false religions. It was happening in the Eskimos and American Native Americans at times. The person was instantaneously seized with spasms or convulsions in every muscle, nerve, and tendon. The head was jerked and thrown down from side to side with such rapidity that it was impossible to distinguish the visage. And the most lively fears were awakened lest the neck be dislocated and the brains dashed out. Those who mocked often were stricken down. Men would double up with their head and the feet together and roll over and over like a wheel. This is what we call the holy rollers. The holy rollers. Holy rollers. I saw this in those early churches in my youth in the last half century, in the first part of the last half century with the Oral Roberts and some of the Pentecostal churches and things. It's, I went down in a many meeting of a Pentecostal church under the conviction of the Holy Spirit by reading God's Word, and I got saved down there at the altar. Because an old woman that was my ex-step-grandmother came down and led me to the Lord. The preacher didn't. The deacons didn't. No one in the church. They weren't, inv they weren't involved in that. They were involved in this here, not in the salvation of my soul. I thank God for it because that's where I was saved. But I left it spiritually and doctrinally. Rolling over like a wheel and turning swiftly over and over sideways like a log, another would take a sudden start and run with, with uh, amazing swiftness as in a race till his strength was exhausted. The dancing exercise was a later improvement. The privilege of the exhibiting of bold faith what others were moved by blind impulse. The barks frequently accompanied by jerks and, and uh, through a later origin and exercised consistence in individual taking the position of a dog and moving about on all fours, snapping his teeth and barking with such exactness and imitation to deceive anyone 
whose eyes were not directed to the spot. This is not of God. This is not of God. Conversion of the souls is, but this is not of God. The persons frequently affected were the most cultivated and refined. I had a Presbyterian woman one told me she went down to a holy roller church and she was slain in the spirit and she was talking in tongues. The ecstasy overtook her. And it was very hard to tell her that that was wrong because she experienced the experience. I felt it. I saw it. I'm a Presbyterian. These were too. Those persons frequently affected were the most cultivated and refined. These affected by trances and who saw visions were innumerable. Unfortunately, the greatest disorders accompanied the meetings. At first appearances, Meknamar, these meetings exhibited nothing to be the spectator but mere scene of confusion that could scarcely be put into human language, a total disaster of confusion in the name of religion. If Satan can't steal you away from God, he'll get in there and mess up the service. Mr. Lyle says that he never saw a more confused, careless audience since the world began. Stone's people says that they were wild, disorderly more than was needful. No wonder for Stone was the ringleader in some of these meetings and while Mr. Uh, McFeeters was preaching, Mr. Tone got down on his knees and began to pray while the people observing caught the flame and began to pray also. Now, the preacher is preaching the Word of God, supposedly. Listen to the preacher. But instead they get carried away with other things. In ten minutes the noise was so great that the preacher had to cease. They kept up the praying till nine o'clock at night and the rest of the congregation left the place in, dis in disgust. The meetings of this character continued for many years and extended throughout the entire company. company. The following description of the Methodist meeting in Philadelphia by an eyewitness, fire baptized Methodist. You see in some churches today, Methodist churches, you'll see a, a red dove flying. That's what it's talking about. I went at 8 o'clock in the evening. The door was shut and locked. But the windows were being opened. I placed myself at one of them and saw that the church within was crowded to almost suffocation. The preacher indulged in long pauses and occasionally loud elevations of voice which were always answered by the audience with deep groans. When the prayer followed the sermon which ended, the minister descended from the pulpit and the doors were thrown open and a considerable number of the audience departed. Understanding, however, that something was yet to follow, with considerable difficulty I obtained admission. The minister had departed, the doors were again closed, and about 400 persons remained. One, apparently, of the leading members gave out a hymn. Then a brother was called upon to pray, and he roared and ranted like a maniac, and the male part of the audience groaned and the female shrieked. A man sitting next to me shouted. A youth standing before me continued for a half an hour in bawling. 
and shrieking. Oh, Jesus, come down, come down. Jesus, my dear Jesus, I see you. Bless Jesus. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, 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 come down, Jesus. A small space further on, a girl about 11 years of age was in convulsions. An old woman whom I concluded was her mother stood on a seat holding her up in her arms that her ecstasies might be visible to the whole assembly. In another place, there was a convocation of holy sisters sending forth most awful yells. A brother addressed them with a voice which might almost rival the peal of thunder. And the whole congregation occasionally joining uh, responsive in the notes. The madness now became threefold, increased, and such a scene prevented presented itself as I could never have pictured in my imagination, and I trust for an hour of true religion and human nature I shall never see again. Had the inhabitants of Bedlam been let loose, that Bedlam means hell, they could not have exceeded it. From 40 to 50 were praying aloud and extemporaneously at the same moment of time. Some were kicking, many jumping, all clapping their hands and crying out in the chorus. They were not sufficient solitary influences thrown around these meetings, it is certain. The late hours that were kept, no doubt, aided to the tendency to morbid excitement of the nervous system. They continued up sometimes till 2, sometimes to 4 o'clock in the morning. It was no un, not uncommon thing to spend the whole night in these orgies, orgies, spiritual orgies. To compensate for this loss of sleep, they would deliberately spread their great coats and take a nap during the sermon. During the sermon, they took a nap. And then they rose and frolicked and played and danced. The truth seems to be that there was no regular hours of anything, no regular intermissions, for eating or sleeping, and there were no stated hours for public worship, and the meetings might be said to last day and night, cooking, eating, sleeping, and the like process were all going on simultaneously with religious services. Tradition whispers in an undertone of wild fellows with adjoining towns frequently in the camp to take advantage of the opportunities afforded by the prevailing license and disorder. Wild fellows. I once knew a guy that, that would go to these uh, meetings, and they, were, they happened in my lifetime. They were still happening. That went there to seduce young women because they were such exciting in such an exciting mode. They were easy numbers. Tradition whispers of wild fellows from adjoining towns frequently encamped to take advantage of the opportunities afforded by the prevailing license and disorder, just as they would, would at a masquerade. The, the desolate characters of both sexes retorted thither can easily be gathered from those who had written upon the revival. The question has been raised by earnest and serious men, did the rival do more good than harm? Did it do more good than harm? That there were evil results that came from it is beyond doubt. Aside from any disorderly elements, which may have mentioned, there were sown 
doctrinal differences and schism which have not been healed to this very day. Satan is a god of confusion. The Lord of confusion. When I call him a god, it's a little g. Out of the revival came acrimonious debates and criticisms which have not been cured to this very day. There can be no question that there were numbers of genuine conversions. It slew infidelity in Kentucky. Dr. George A. Baxter, an eminent Presbyterian minister and president of the Washington Academy, came to Kentucky to look into the effects of the rival, revival, and his report was favorable. Oh, my way to Kentucky. I was informed by settlers on the road that the character of Kentucky travelers was entirely changed that they were now remarkable for sobriety as they had formerly been for dissoluteness and immorality. And indeed I found in Kentucky to appearances the most moral place that I have ever seen. A profane expression was hardly ever heard. A religious awe seemed to pervade the whole countryside and some of theistical characters had confessed that from whatever cause a revival might proceed it made the people better. Its influence was not less visible in promoting friendly temper among the people. Some neighborhoods visited by the revival were formerly notorious for private animosities and contentions, and many petty lawsuits had commenced on the ground. Now we have the we have the the, the McCoys. Remember that the Hatfields and the McCoys. They were both religious, but they killed each other. When the parties in these quarrels were impressed with religion, the first thing was to send for the antagonists and it was often very affecting to see their meeting. They had both seen their faults and both contended that they ought to make the acknowledgement till the last they were obliged to request one another to forbear all mention of the past and to receive each other as friends and brothers for the future. Dr. Richard, Richard Firmham Furham of South Carolina was more conservative in his statement. In a letter which he wrote to Dr. Ripone in London, England, says, I hope the direct, the direct good obtained from these meetings will much more than the counterbalance the insidious evil. The travesties above related and illustrated prevailed among the Presbyterians and with such assistance in the Methodists could afford. The Baptists profited greatly by the revival, but it had little or no connection to the excitement and emotional extravagances. People joined Baptist churches, but they didn't have this behavior. The Baptists almost entirely escaped those extraordinary and disgraceful scenes produced by the jerk, the rolling, the barking, exercises, etc., which extensively obtained among some of the other persuasions of those days. The work among the Baptists was deep, solemn, and powerful, but comforting with a decency so emphatically enjoined by the scriptures themselves. The preaching of God's word, not, not emotion. You don't go out there and fan the fire. You don't do the law laws to get into talking in tongues. You don't open the faucet to error. You preach the word. 
The Baptists were great gainers by the revival and multitudes were added to the churches. The great revival among the Baptists in Kentucky, says Benedict, began in Boone County in the Ohio River and its progress extended up into Ohio and leaking and the Kentucky rivers branching out into settlements <clears throat> adjoining them. It spread fast in different directions and in a short time almost every part of the state was affected by its influence. We're talking about true revival now. It was, comp it was computed that about 10,000 were baptized and added to the Baptist churches in the course of two or three years. 10,000 baptized. The great work progressed among the Baptists in much more regular manner than people abroad were generally supposed. They were indeed zealously affected and much engaged. Many of their ministers baptized in a number of neighborhood churches from two to four hundred each and two of them baptized about 500 each in the course of a revival. But throughout the whole, they preserved a good decree of decorum and order. Collins gives a good deal of detailed information on this point. During the revival, large additions were made to the churches in every quarter of the state. The Elkhorn Association at its annual meeting in 1801 reported an addition of 3,011 members by baptism during the current year in 1802 and a, an accession of 12 churches was reported making the whole number of 5,300 churches. To the South Kentucky, the, the uh, accessions were almost equal to those of the Elkhorn Association. The Tate's Creek Association reported in 1801 the addition of 1,148 members by baptism. The Salem Association shared largely in the Blessing of the Revival and received an upward of 2,000 members. See, truth really does work. The preaching God's Word works. While all this emotion is going on and confusion, the Baptists are preaching, 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 preaching the Word. Among the Baptists in North Kentucky where they were far, by far the most numerous, the revival began and continued its close into a decorous, orderly manner. In the upper Green River country in East Tennessee, where the separate Baptists were most numerous, there were more excitement and some falling and jerking. The strange exercise did not prevail among the Baptists. In lower Green River County, there were but few Baptists at the beginning of the revival, and we of Kentucky were greatly are generally exempt from the excesses of the Great Revival of 1800. That soul sorely affected the Presbyterians, and instead of resulting in discord, it healed the only schism there was among them. They became all what we might call charismatics. And here's where the charismatic experience began in America. Our Father, we send this message out for honor and glory to educate people. Maybe they're experimenting with talking tongues and these things, but Father, I pray that you touch them and bring them back into the truth, into Orthodox Christianity. Father, use the messages wherever they go for your honor and glory. And please forgive me where I fail you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat>